This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Fresh off the presidential debate between two candidates that I think we can all agree make all of us, or many of us, ask the question, are these the two people we've got to choose between? (laughs) I just... uh, I say in the body of the show, in the interview, that that 90-minute debate was probably eight of the longest hours of my life because it felt like eight hours watching it. I watched every minute. I took notes on it. And there were many moments in that debate where I was just shaking my head wondering, how did we end up with just these two people? I also wanted some comments from you guys on what you saw last evening. And I went to Facebook to ask you to comment on last evening's debate. And I'm going to share those comments with everyone else just after my interview today. I'm talking with Dr. Albert Samuels, who is uh, someone who has a great understanding of politics. And he will talk with us from his perspective about what last evening meant. And John Cuvion will be on as well here in studio. Dr. Samuels will be over the phone and we'll talk about the debate. It's interesting. Trump did not get high numbers, not because, not simply because he lost to Clinton's level of specificity, but it was also because he didn't show the kind of debate discipline necessary to win. She left garage door sized openings for him, and he just couldn't see them. Couldn't see them. She lured him into a demeanor and temperament debate, and he fell for it hook, line, and sinker. He didn't really bring up the email issue, which would have won for him. He botched the discussion about uh, cyber terrorism. I think that he could, I mean, there were so many openings that he he just didn't take. And Lester Holt has taken a beating in the aftermath of this debate. And I think that there were some areas. He fact-checked Trump more than he did Clinton. That was clear. But he also let them go at it. Which, in my opinion, that would have benefited Trump more than Clinton. Just to kind of leave it open for them to go back and forth. And so maybe the second and third debate will be better performances for him. But last evening, I thought he had some good shots, but he didn't press And he missed some opportunities. I thought she came with more specifics. She clearly prepped for the debate and was prepared and ready for him and had a strategy. And I just think he kind of went out wanting to wing it like he had done in the Republican debates. And it was disappointing uh, to see that this broke down the way that it did between the two of them, because maybe the back 40 percent of this debate became just kind of a schoolyard snark fest. So we'll hear from these other experts, Dr. Samuels and John Cuvion, uh, in just a moment to get their thoughts on what they saw. And after that conversation, I will share with you what many people said to me on Facebook after the debate. And uh, some of the stuff is pretty, pretty entertaining. And we'll get to that after our conversation with Dr. Samuels and John Cuvion. Don't forget, you can hit the subscribe button. Follow the show every week, sometimes multiple shows in a week like this week, and uh, 
tell your friends about us. Podcast225.com. Back to talk about the debate next. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe, the man behind Brian Lowe Financial. Brian, we talked about classes last week. Uh, you've got these classes all over South Louisiana. Let's talk about them. Well, too many people are getting close to retirement. You're within 10 years away from retirement. You need a financial class. Okay. It's uh, two hours a night, one night a week for three weeks. Okay. First week is all about financial basics. Second week is all about investment products. You know, what are other people doing with their money? Where can you get 3%? Where can you get 5%? Where can you get 6%? The third week is all about estate planning, a will, power of attorney, advanced health care. After the third week, you get a one-hour visit with a financial advisor in mm-hmm. your local area. Then you possibly may get a second visit with another advisor. Then you may get a third visit with an estate planning attorney to help you with the trust. Give us a call right now. Jump into class. It's not too late. Here's the information. And we can get this information at your website. Absolutely. And that web address is brianlowfinancial.com, brianlowfinancial.com. Don't wait, get in a class today with Brian Low Financial. This is the Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. All right, welcome back. Talking now with John Cuvion and Dr. Albert Samuel, two of the brightest political minds this side of anywhere, and they're here in Baton Rouge, and we're talking about the presidential debate that took place last evening as we sit to record this show. And I told him a moment ago that that 90-minute debate was eight of the longest hours of my life, and it felt that way, gentlemen. And I, uh, I took about eight pages of notes, and about the time I put those notes down, I'm thinking to myself, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Uh, but I mean, I just want, I wanted to be certain that I didn't miss anything because it is a big, big deal to have these two candidates on stage for the first time together. And you never know what news was going to be made out of it. So uh, I want to start by asking you guys both that question. And I'll start with you, Dr. Samuel, your reactions, reflections on last evening's debate. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, thank you for having me today. Um, Actually, uh, yeah, you're right. It is it's important to finally get both candidates in the same room on the same stage to debate the issues of the day. Uh, it looked like one candidate came to the debate prepared to discuss the issues. It looked like another candidate came to the debate shooting from the hip and decided to wing it. You know, and of course that candidate was Donald Trump. And so from, it, it really looked like, from, from, from start to finish, it looked like there was a mismatch. Uh, and that was my, that was, that was, that was my take. It was, it, was, it was, I think it was probably stunning to a lot of people just how unprepared uh, Donald Trump appeared to be, how easily frazzled he, that, that he was. Uh, and, uh, you know, Clinton, for the most part, was able to to keep her cool and to make her make her points. And so, 
I think from start to finish, it was it really was it really was a mismatch, and to my my mind, that's actually what made it kind of hard to watch because it it wasn't like we were actually watching a debate or an actual exchange of ideas. Okay, and I, I, and and that's where I think is that it's, it's a tragedy because we actually do have some serious problems in this country, I and agree. it would be nice to hear uh, some uh, a serious debate between the parties and specifically the standard bearers of the parties about how we address the problems that we have. Okay. And one candidate seemed to take that seriously and the other candidate didn't. All right. So let's get John Kuvion's take on the same thing. Your reaction to last evening's debate. Three words, an unmitigated disaster. (laughs) More specifically, when I looked at the Mm -hmm. conduct of the candidates as well as the content of what was said, To me, both candidates had some things they had to do last night because going into the race last night, I can tell you that the presidential race was tied 43-43, and according to my estimates, each were tied at 236 each in the Electoral College. Mm -hmm. So obviously the expectations were really high. In my mind, Hillary Clinton had to be likable and appear presidential. For Donald Trump, the bar was very low. He just had to appear presidential because after all, as a CEO of a large organization, you would think that this kind of thing would be very easy for him. The thing I found, though, in the beginning, Donald Trump was fairly subdued, and I thought he was kind of actually boring in the beginning, but then the blunder started. And the thing about it that I was just kind of in disbelief about was the fact that Hillary, in my opinion, seemed happy to be there, and she had good poise, She basically gave Donald Trump a lot of rope to hang himself. Whereas in Donald Trump's case, he started, while Hillary was popping him with allegation after allegation after allegation, Donald Trump was going into these weird diatribes, you know, talking about his business record. And then when he said certain things like that's business, when talking about how he had bet on the real estate market crashing. Yeah. You know, you could have easily had five campaign commercials from Hillary's team coming out purely of what happened last night. And a final thought I wanted to give, because there, we could talk for five hours, probably go through all your eight pages of notes there. But, <laughs> you know, one of the things I was reading this morning on Twitter, which I think is a very appropriate point to make about the debate now that it is, you know, the day after. What happens the day after is equally as important as what happens the night of. Right. One of the things Donald Trump did this morning, which I thought was extremely cringeworthy of him, so he was talking about Alicia Machado uh, last night. Well, Hillary brought it up, of course. Right. So what did Donald Trump do today? He further buried himself by going on and on about how fat she was and how horrible she was and, you know, this and that and the other thing. And I'm thinking, okay, you've already made one blunder. You're going to make another? I said, this this to me was shades of Kaiser Khan all over again. And I think what's going to happen... You know, I've read what Nate Silver says, and of course I have my own little gut-level feel. The polling impact of this, in my opinion, isn't going to be felt until late this week, because you have to remember, even assuming pollsters go out in the poll field tonight, it's going to be several days for the results to get back and so forth. Right. Plus, people are making up their minds. They're digesting what was said. Hillary's probably getting some ads out about the Alicia Mikado remark and talking about, oh, and that he perhaps did not pay taxes. I saw that as another big blunder by the Trump. Donald Trump. Point being is, I would expect to see the polling impact to be late this week. I'm thinking in the three to five point range for Hillary Clinton. I want to ask mm-hmm. you both about Lester Holt. Uh, he's he's gotten a lot of press. 
with the way that he handled the, the debate and people have crushed him. I'll be honest with you. I One of the things that I like moderators to do in a high stakes debate is stay out of the way. And I think I, I think he did a lot of that. I, I think you let him go at it. You let the people make up their mind about demeanor. Now, once he lost control, it was really bad. Now, why, while you want him to stay out of the way, you also want him to kind of maintain some level of decorum there. And it got away from him. There was some talk about the fact checking, which we'll get to in just a moment. But first to you, gentlemen, and you, you, Dr. Samuel, first, what was your grade for Lester Holt last evening? Well, actually, I thought uh, Lester Holt did a, a pretty good job. I, I think that, you know, to, to be fair, I mean, I think I, mean, I think all of the moderators uh, throughout this campaign season have had a difficult time moderating debates that involve Donald Trump because Donald Trump simply doesn't obey the rules, no matter what the, the rules are. And, and so several times, you know, uh, Donald Trump, you know, would exceed the time limit several times. Uh, when Hillary Clinton's turn to speak was, he would inter- interrupt. Uh, and so he, he does this so he does this so often that if he try to police every violation of the rules by Donald Trump, then, you know, then you actually now are actually part of the, of the debate. And so I actually I think he did a, a pretty good job of, of actually – uh, uh, for the most part, trying to stay out of the way. I think there were a couple of times when he did uh, to fact check him, fact check him a, a little bit, and he did press him for follow-ups because 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 uh, uh, Trump clearly was not answering the question. Uh, but actually, in a lot of ways, I think he gave Donald Trump a lot of, by, by by actually by not being uh, to challenge him. He actually gave Donald Trump a lot of rope to hang himself. Well, he, not only I've heard it, I've heard that said, but I've also heard people say, Doc, that he gave Trump an opportunity to land some blows on issues, and Trump seemed incapable of being able to do it. He didn't press on anything with the emails. He didn't press on anything that he might have pulled from her past, and she was ready for any opening she got to take a shot at him. Trump just didn't seem to be paying attention to those same openings there. What do you say, John? I think Lester Holt did decently. The one thing we have to remember is that being a debate moderator is a thankless job to begin with, number one. Number two, with someone as pugnacious and alpha male-ish as Donald Trump, there's no way that you can have a civilized debate. debate rather. And quite frankly, I'm of the opinion that the job of the moderator is not to stick him or herself into the debate like right. Candy Crowley did last in 2012. Right. Because the thing is this. We are evaluating two candidates for president. I am more inclined to the free flow that ended up happening last night than me this. too. Because let's say that you had had this strict format where you had to have given you know nine minutes and twenty seven seconds to each debate topic, right. so that you could end at nine twenty nine and fifty nine seconds. Well, that to me is constraining the free flow of ideas from mm-hmm. the candidates. Let let them rip, because what I felt last night was a fairly accurate depiction of how each of the two is able to handle pressure. And quite truthfully, I thought Hillary Clinton did far better than I would have thought. You know, at one point, not only did I mention before that she was relaxed and playful, but there was that one response she gave when she goes, okay, you know, 
when she was doing that, I was like, this is someone who's clearly at the top of her game. Whereas Donald Trump, he wasn't. And you can kind of see that he was kind of not happy. And when he kept on looking into the mic and going, wrong, wrong, wrong. I thought I was at the McLaughlin group for a second. But yeah. anyway, but I think, though, <laughs> to, to get back to the original point, I thought Lester Holt did a decent job, as could be expected of the moderator. He really did not make himself the focus of the debate. It's just the nature of the beast here with Donald Trump. You're going to have a freewheeling kind of debate, but that's how it should be. I agree with you with you both there. You know, the first subject that they tackled was the economy. And they talked about how you would address what's happening with the economy if you got that job starting in January. And Secretary Clinton talked about government programs that she would like to see. She talked about uh, debt-free college. She talked about more affordable child care. She talked about paid leave for families. And Donald Trump immediately comes behind her. And that's where he started with, she's been around for 30 years and hasn't done this in the 30 years that she's been there. Uh, He says it is the job of the politicians to basically get out of the way of business. He talked about, he talked ad nauseum about businesses that are taking their companies out of America to Mexico, to China, and they're selling products back to us from other places and that he would tax those companies. Uh, Secretary Clinton talked about some of the policies that Barack Obama found when uh, he got into office and it was 10 minutes in and she That was the first mention of George W. Bush in there. Uh, She talked about how her tax plan would help the middle class. Trump's tax plan would hurt the middle class. She says her plan would create 10 million jobs. And she also threw in a dig about how Trump thought climate change was an invention of the Chinese. And they went back and forth about their energy plans first 10 minutes in on the subject of the economy without giving really a a political reaction to it, if if you are judging them as a strategist, both for her and for him, how would you grade their reaction to that? And I'll start with you first, John, on this one. And, you know, actually, that was the one instance where I felt that Hillary was opening up her mouth enough to give Team Trump some fodder in ads, because basically she was relaying a litany of standard liberal bromides because... I was counting her promise to raise taxes, talking about the injustice in the criminal justice system, and on and on and on. I was like, man, if you're a Republican uh, oppo researcher or strategist, you take these remarks verbatim and say, this is what Hillary said in her own debate. So that was actually, to me, a weakness of what Hillary did. For Donald Trump, I felt that he, he did give some conservative economic principles, but I also felt that there was a lot of missed opportunities for him to defend his point of view, and I think his going off on free trade, I think he should have kept more to complaining about politics as usual and politicians and lobbyists, et cetera, et cetera, like he likes to do all the time. Because the thing about free trade is that's the kind of thing that you have a lot of people on the free trade side as opposed to the protectionist side. So if all of a sudden you're saying things that's going to cost you votes in the Atlantic seacoast yeah. and elsewhere— and maybe you might pick up a vote in Minnesota or Michigan. I don't really see a ton of upside to what he did. I want to add. I want to follow up with you on that before we get to Doc here, and just ask. You know, he talks a lot about NAFTA, yes. and he talks a lot about TPP, and 
he makes a case that is made by many people in America. However, it is always an admonition of mine to politicians to try not to get into the weeds. Right. Because understanding the gravity one way or the other of NAFTA is not something that the average person on the street has a grasp on. They're thinking about what's happening around their dinner table or what's happening right. on the job. And they don't they may not even know what NAFTA even stands for. So just just to that point that you made, when he digs into that what percentage of people do you think he's losing when he does that? I would say he's losing three for every two he's gaining. Okay. Now, if it were me giving him advice for five milliseconds, I would have told him to emphasize that they were lousy trade deals rather than getting into an argument that suggests protectionism. Because the thing is, this was one of those fights, granted it was a generation ago that was most salient, the protectionist versus the free trade side, with bumper stickers saying that President Reagan was the best president that Japan ever had, et cetera, et cetera. Right. What Donald Trump is saying could have come straight out of Ross Perot's mouth in 1993. I agree. When he was talking about Shafta and all that and debating Al Gore. But like I said, Trump to me chose the wrong focus for his protesting the trade deal. He was all over the place. Right. What he should have... I think he should have asserted that he was for free and fair trade, but that as a businessman, he could not stomach how these deals were lousy and right. briefly explain how they were lousy and make Clinton defend them. So big missed opportunity. And Doc, I'll ask the same thing, but your, your take on how they addressed the issue of the economy. And one of the things that I noticed is she came with those granular details that she's known for, whether you agree with her policy or not, she's able to get to the specifics faster than he was able to. And he made the same points sometimes three and four times in a row. He repeated himself, repeated himself instead of, and then when he finally did get to his plan, it was, in the last, you know, say 10 seconds of the two minute time that he had allotted. But mm -hmm. what do you think of the, the way that they both handled the issue of the economy? Well, I, I well, I think, so, I think several points here. I think, first of all, this, this also speaks to, uh, the level of preparation, the preparation, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton is uh, obviously a much more experienced debater who actually took the debate process a lot more seriously. I mean, uh, she was prepared when it, it, when it was her time to speak to, to tick off her list of proposals. Actually, she has a list of proposals of what she wants to do, and she understands them in, in de detail. Uh, Donald Trump, for the most part, seems to be, seems to be to talk in platitudes. You know, I probably only... Substantive policy idea he really gave was you know he wants to cut he wants to, he wants to cut uh, corporate tax 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 rates and that seems to be the, the end all end all and then he and he really harsh on trade but he really he's really presenting a very generalized and a quite really simplistic idea uh, about what to do about the, about the economy he doesn't provide any any details. And this is where the this is where the tragedy is. I think I think you know, uh, like my colleague here is making a, make, make an excellent point here. Uh, he uh, Hillary gave the traditional, in many ways, liberal uh, list of economic priorities. Right. You know what? And a lot of uh, there are a number of her Republican opponents uh, who would have been able to tick off the conservative response and rebuttal to a lot of those points. Right. So there was a lot of opportunity to attack her on the substance of what she was 
saying and then actually have a debate and force her to defend those proposals. Donald Trump doesn't know enough about policy to even challenge those ideas. All he can just say is that, well, you've been doing this for 30 years. You know, well, that right. doesn't work. What would you do differently? Doc. So you're right. I think there was a lot of missed opportunity there. And quite frankly, on the trade stuff, you know, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, there is a general sense that some people have that, you know, that our jobs are going overseas and trade is a boogeyman. We see this is also part of the appeal on the left to, to, to Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders. And there's a serious debate that needs to be had that really isn't being had to the way it needs to be about the fact that we live in a globalized, a structural economy. And quite frankly, we got people who are promising people that they can bring back jobs that aren't coming back. Right. Right? It just, it's just a lot easier to tell people that. So we need to have a substantive debate about that. And the, and the problem is that, well, he's tapping into that, but he's really not offering anything. It's and uh, that, that is such that is such a well made point by Dr. Samuel. Uh, it's I, and I actually thought it. I said, you know, a lot of the programs that she mentioned yesterday have a cost to them. Yes. And mm-hmm. I think that if he had the ability to be able to argue with her on that, then it might have scored him some points. I mean, that's such a doc. That's a great point. And then when he says he wants to cut taxes on businesses and the cut the corporate tax rate, you know, I always tell I, I don't, you know, contrary to what people believe, I don't do any and every politician who comes along and wants me to help them. I kind of I cherry pick based upon work ethic and that that's that's my you know thing if I'm going to work with someone but I'll tell anybody running for office in terms of your policy you got to make it breathe and what I mean by that is you have to make it real and so when you're saying mm-hmm. you're going to cut tax rates explain why that's a good thing you can't just say that and be generic and be at 50,000 feet go ahead John and this this is uh, kind of piggybacking off of a point you're making right now. You're talking about making it real. This is something that Hillary Clinton, in my opinion, got an A and Donald Trump got an F in the debate. More specifically, what I'm referring to was when Hillary Clinton used specific examples of Donald Trump's deficiencies, like not paying people, I'm relieved my father never did business with you, talking about Alicia Machado and saying she's a human being, Donald, et cetera, et cetera. She personalized Donald Trump's deficiencies, whereas Donald Trump, he wasn't that versatile. And I was kind of surprised because the thing was, his gut level reaction to everything was to just look into the mic and go wrong, wrong, wrong. And I just didn't feel that he was really in, he was really on his A game, so to speak. Well, and you know, when she, when she talked about NAFTA and she waffled on NAFTA saying, you know, she was against it and then for it or the other way around, he didn't know how to handle that. He didn't know, he didn't know how to press her on the two positions she had taken on NAFTA and about the TPP saying it was the gold standard. She had indeed said that. He didn't know how to press her on that. He could have called her a waffler. And if it were me, so when Hillary was talking about all these these programs she wanted to implement, and of course using the standard bromide of making the rich pay their fair share, I think Donald Trump could have come back and said, well, taxes were raised in 2012, and during the Affordable Care Act's passage, you know, taxes were raised on the upper income, 
you know, what else are you going to, how much more do you want to raise these taxes? In other words, all those kinds of things, if somebody had had an, an intimate grasp of policy or had campaign advisors who could have taught him, more importantly, I think Donald Trump could have had some better counterattacks. I, but I think what happened, though, and sorry to, sorry to cut off your time, Dr. Samuels. I'm just kind of... Yeah. <laughs> He's once, excited over here. Okay, right. Once I get in wonk mode, right, right. yes, it's very difficult to shut me down. Um, <laughs> what, I, what I felt was the case with regards to all these missed opportunities was that Donald Trump had decided that he was going to wing it in debate. And even if Kellyanne Conway had tried to beg and plead and tell him to, you know, do the mock debates and all that, Donald Trump was probably like, nah, I want to go to a rally in Duluth or into Cleveland, Ohio, and shut Kellyanne down. So I suspect that probably his campaign staff was not allowed to properly prepare him for this debate, and it clearly showed. Well, and she was able to bring the specifics from her side of the argument that she knew her supporters would want to hear, and she also seemed Mm -hmm. content to allow his demeanor to be a part of this debate. Because once she got under his mm-hmm. skin early, you could tell she was waiting. Yes. She didn't try to argue with him a whole lot. She just tried to let him go. At one point, he goes on a, on a diatribe about something, and then she just goes, okay. I mean, she got what she wanted. It's She went in with the strategy of, I'm just going to show this guy doesn't have the temperament to do this job and you know what was fascinating about that i was reading somewhere that Mm -hmm. apparently that the the clintons or the democrats or whatever had hired a psychological expert to get into the donald trump personality profile and see the kinds of things that would trip him up so in other words they were pulling out all the stops to make sure that hillary was well prepared and i'll ask you both this she fights and she has fought with this going back well before she was a challenger to Barack Obama for the presidency. She has fought with the fact that people don't like her. Right. She has high negatives. Right. And he could not do anything about that. You know, there was a smugness to her as she's making her point. But she was so she you cannot deny the fact that the lady knew what she was doing yesterday. And he couldn't he couldn't find a way to expose that. Go ahead, Doc. You're right. You're right. And, and this again, this 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 goes to the, this this issue of preparation. And uh, you know, I expected Hillary Clinton to be prepared. You know, because that that's just who she is. Right. Right. Uh, she's very studious. She's very hardworking. She's a grinder. She's not very inspiring. Or not inspiring, clearly. I mean, what is you know, you know, but she, but she does this. Uh, and to be honest with you even though I'm not particularly surprised by Donald Trump's performance. If you actually, if you, if you actually read the transcripts of some of the interviews that he did with the Washington Post and the New York Times, uh, during, during the spring, uh, you know, uh, these are the same kinds of answers that he gave to very serious questions. Uh, he seemed to have a very, Shocking, to, at least for someone who could be president, just lack of knowledge about how the world works. Uh, he seemed to to think that it was that is that is it may be okay, you know, if Japan and South Korea go nuclear, 
uh, he's raising questions about why are we defending uh, Saudi Arabia? Why are we, uh, whether or not supporting NATO is a good idea? I mean, he and he, he, you know, and he just didn't seem to answer the questions seriously. You know, and when he was asked specific questions, rather than answer the questions, they, you know, he he started talking around the room and, and you know, and about everything but what, what the question was asked, and. So, so really, he basically did publicly in that in that debate what he has been doing the entire campaign, and, and then and then you have people like uh like Michael Bessalov, you know, uh, a little bit surprised at the president's story, you know, and how a Republican nominee for president would be so ill prepared on, on foreign policy, uh, which. Should be the Republicans, you know, uh, strong suit. This is what they have made as their brand for the last fifty years or so. Uh, but 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 we really should not be surprised if you actually have been listening to to Donald Trump. And he did not take this preparation process seriously. And I can imagine that a product Kelly Conway probably tried their best to prepare him. Uh, Donald Trump doesn't doesn't appear to be the kind of candidate. No, I would agree with you on that, John. So what my what my thought is, this is I'm going to I'm going to kind of take what Dr. Samuels did and put the John Cuvion political twist on it. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) as I tend to do. Uh, But the way I look at it, this debates are theater. And I've looked at it and I watched all those other Republican debates and in all those other debates, Whatever one wants to say about Donald Trump's grasp or lack thereof of specific policy positions, the fact is, in those Republican debates, he came up, he was mentally ready and focused. You know, I I still think that everything was defined all the way back in the beginning of that Megyn Kelly debate when Megyn Kelly brought up the same remarks that Hillary Clinton did last night, and there was Donald Trump all calmly poised with his little finger cocked, and he said, only Rosie O'Donnell. In other words... He was loaded for bear, and it showed. And the fact, the way that he made Jeb Bush a human punching bag, I thought was just kind of a fascinating psychological study. So in those debates, like I said, whatever you want to think about his lack of preparation or preparation, whatever, he was mentally ready. He was not mentally ready last night. I think he kind of underestimated Hillary Clinton's sharpness. He probably thought that Hillary was going to give an exasperated what difference does it make kind of uh response to everything whereas i can i can imagine that you know after all that intense preparation that they they put hillary through robbie mook before he put it on the debate stage stage said and by the way hillary just smile i could have seen something like that going on whereas on the donald trump side of the stage i could have seen just a chaotic kind of you know lack of preparation where Donald Trump's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When are we going to get this over? You know, this is going to be a knockout. It's going to be a huge win. Right, right. I, I think he went into it just thinking that he, that he was going to be able to walk right through it. And yes. and I'll throw mm-hmm. this at, this at you, gentlemen. He didn't really address the email issue 
the only time he addressed mm-hmm. it is when he said, I will release my taxes when you release the 33,000 emails that you deleted. He never talked about Benghazi. He never talked about some of those mainstream issues that have been in the news, the Colin Powell's comments about Hillary Clinton's character. Uh, he, he never talked about any of that stuff, the whole blind spot that she has tried to avoid. I think we can all agree she's a, she avoided the press for a very long time because she was not going to let herself get caught in an interview that was going to impact poll numbers as they were and he seemed to miss all of that he did now mm-hmm. i think i think there's a couple things that have to be mentioned number one benghazi to me has long since lost any kind of political potency number two with regards to the emails the way donald trump handled it in debate i thought was extremely pugnacious and it did not make him look good in other words he should have smiled and laughed and said well you know what hillary I'm all ready to release my tax returns, but what is it about your 30,000 deleted emails? Why won't you why won't you tell the American public what's going on with that, huh? And, you know, with that little characteristic yeah. Donald Trump. I, and I'll throw something else at you guys. When she said with the emails that it was a mistake, he started to press on that, but he didn't go far enough. I mean, you don't put a server in your basement accidentally. Okay, it was an on-purpose thing. Now, she could make the argument that she wasn't the first to have done that, and we now know that there was a little bit of that that had happened, but he was ill-equipped to go in for the quote-unquote kill shot on it. The worst thing he did, in my opinion, from the moment Hillary Clinton actually fessed up and said that she had made a mistake and she would not do that again, Donald Trump was very foolish to try to pursue her on that point after the apology because it makes him look small and mean when Hillary apologized. Because yeah, go ahead, doctor. Go ahead, go ahead, doc. Yeah, you know, you know, uh, I, I think I think you, I think I think you, you're right on this also, and I, and I think that also too. Um, I mean, for all the talk about Donald Trump being someone who understands media and you know and, and what have you, he didn't seem to understand that a big part of the debate is. Not just what you say objectively, even though on, on, just on on the, on the words he said, there, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of criticism that can be made of the content of what he said. But it's also your mannerism, right? You know, you know, it, it was, you know, it was like, like Al Gore's sigh, for example, in, in the 2000 debate became a bigger issue. He he actually lost the debate in a way. He probably won the debate on substance, but you know, but and listen, but, but and the listen, sigh, when you know, he, the, the exasperation. And when he walked over yeah. to George W. Bush and just kind of walked into right. Bush's space and Bush's reaction was kind of like, hey, what's up? You know, you're so right about yeah, those like, nonverbals. Yeah. The, 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 the nonverbal. I mean, keep in mind, uh, the American, this, 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 is, this is a job interview, basically. This is a job interview. Right. And the person who becomes president, uh, like you're inviting someone into your home for the next four years. People want to like their president. Now, we, we're, now we're dealing with two of the most unpopular candidates yeah. uh, for president, right, probably in the history of Poland. That's right. You know, so, <laughs> so you don't want, so you, know, you, you don't want to do anything to make people more dislike you. And uh, and and, and, it, and it was it was just oh it was the it was the frowns. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it was the, the the constant interruptions, the talking over people. You know, it's just that you know that. That, that every time he was asked a question, uh, asked a question, he, he oftentimes he felt the need to defend 
his himself or something about his business as opposed to the country. I mean, none of that stuff makes you look presidential. It makes you really look quite small and, 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 uh, I, and like, do I really want this guy running the country? I, I, I will. Uh, I'll move on to one of the other issues of the debate last evening. Uh, they they talked about that. And I'll put these together. They talked about the direction of the country and they drilled down on the racial unrest that is going on across the country and here in Baton Rouge as you guys know we have been right at the center of that larger discussion anyway and I think when Secretary Clinton starts out she talks about policies that are biased against African Americans but she also in her answer talked about she talked positively about police officers and how there needs to be respect on both sides. She said that, but she leaned mm-hmm. a little bit to some of the agitation that you have heard coming out of minority communities. When Trump talked, he talked about law and order, that we need law and order and that we have to have respect on both sides. He said kind of some of the same things. He talked about getting the endorsement of the fraternal order of police and I think on this specific answer, they got into where they stood without a whole lot of bomb throwing back and forth when they got into the issue of if you're not on the no fly list, you shouldn't be able to own a gun. I think he agreed with her on that. He also agreed with her on some of the you know more strenuous background check policies that we should have for people who want to own a gun. And I think what, what did you guys think about that portion of this? Because I've got a part two to this. Uh, and and uh, Dr. Sam, you go first on this one. You know, uh, I, I think I, I think that's you know that, that's this is really interesting as well. You know, given the fact that you know Donald Trump has made a lot of very recently, just recently, some really high profile attempts to uh, appeal to African American voters, African American voters, African American voters. But once again, here he didn't offer a whole lot of substance. Here, you know, I mean, he did. He did basically say, "Well, you Democrats haven't done anything, you know, for the black community, you know, which really uh, actually uh, something that you know that uh, Clinton didn't really actually answer or really, really, really respond to or right. explain what the Democrats have done for African Americans. I thought that was interesting, uh, but." But you know, but but other than that, issue, the only policy precaution he asked was 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 stop and frisk, which actually is not only a policy that a federal judge held to be unconstitutional, but it's actually bad policing. Bad policing. You know, I mean, if you look, if you actually look at what uh, New York's New York's own statistics. On statistics, on stop and frisk, you know, is that the overwhelming majority of people who stop are African American and Latino. About ninety percent of the people who they stopped and stop, the result of the stops did not even result in a summons, much less uh, people actually being actually apprehended or arrested. So their own figures actually demonstrate that stop and frisk was actually an abysmal failure. All it did was, what it did accomplish, however, was to create hostility between minority communities and the police. 
you know, and so then to suggest that this is, this this might be the solution to the problems, you know, it really ignores the evidence. Well, and let me let me throw this in about stop and frisk because it was it was on a long fact check list that I was looking at. Uh, Bill De Blasio was sworn in in January of 2014, and he did halt the the practice of stop and frisk. And during that first year, homicides did fall. Uh, by two to 333, the lowest number that they had had on record. However, in the in last year, 2015, the number of killings went up by five, uh, almost six percent to 352. And that was the third lowest year on record, but still 17 more than in 2013 when stop question and frisk was was still involved it's controversial either way i think if i'm advising a candidate you tell him come up with your own idea something that is branded with a different name it's like common core if you're out right now telling people you support common core with the stigma on the name of common core you're killing yourself um Mm-hmm. When and go ahead, John. Your, your your response to them talking about crime and the whole race thing. I mean, I kind of have a more general reaction to that. Because okay. The thing is, when you're talking about really, I guess, sensitive or touchy racial issues, especially in a national debate, that's one that you have to lightly touch over. Mm-hmm. And. I thought Donald Trump was starting to go down a path when he was referring to some remarks that Hillary had made, uh, referring to allegedly referring well, to super, black men. Well, super predator comment, yes. which she did, in fact, say that, and he said it but didn't press on it, but right. that is something that she did indeed say. Right, and I felt that was a missed opportunity because it's almost like he knew that he had a winner on his hands, but he didn't want to pursue it. And it's like, well, that to me is something that should have been brought up further. But don't you think the potential of him screwing that up so <laughs> badly was so great that maybe that might be the smart thing that he did? Is which, not, which is not, possible. Yes, yes man. <laughs> I'm just saying in terms of you know, kind of objectively viewing. So I felt there was a missed opportunity there. And like I said, when Hillary was talking about criminal justice reform and so forth, the thing you have to realize or appreciate is that these kind of law and order issues are very, very tough once you get outside of the core democratic mm-hmm. base. And I felt that Hillary was playing to the base a little too much on that issue. Yeah. And I felt that had you had a Lee Atwater in the audience, that that would have been something that could have been made an ad. So just that was just kind of my general remarks about that segment of the debate. It evolved into the birther conversation, gentlemen. And mm, that was when... Cool. When Secretary Clinton, I actually put in my notes because I thought he handled the first part of that well. I think the I think all of us saw the potential of him flirting with disaster, because when you start moving down that road based upon what he had done, you don't know what he's going to say because it sounds like he doesn't listen to himself. So I thought he handled it well. There are lots of people who don't agree with stop and frisk on principle, but. He doesn't exactly he can also say he went on record last week in talking about Tulsa, where he was he was quick to say that that looked bad and that he doesn't know what Mm -hmm. that officer was thinking. Hell, I still don't know what she was thinking about, but that's another subject. But uh, he, he didn't hurt himself there when they when they rolled into the birther issue and she was clearly making this an undertone racial play on Trump's part. And it seems as though he never got that. And 
remember how I was talking about earlier about her ability to personalize certain aspects of what of Trump's bombast? This to me was one where she hit the target in a very major way. When but she, he didn't see it. Right. The part though that I'm thinking about when she said that part about you know this is something that clearly bugged President Obama when you were doing this and it's like all of a sudden it's like okay you are you Donald Trump are revealed as somebody who's obsessing over something that really he had no business obsessing over. So I, I kind of felt she got a, gr- a direct hit on him on that. And I think that's the start of when things started getting bad for him. I agree. During the debate. You know, he could have simply said that was three years ago. Right. I don't want to talk about that now. But the truth is he was talking about it a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Most of the country has moved on from that issue. Right. Now, the one fair point he made, and I'll, I'll get, I want you to, to jump in here, Doc, is when he said that she basically started the whole birther conversation yes and you know with the the photograph that they put out with with him in the islamic garb and the innuendo that she was putting out that happened to be true but again he lacked the ability to be able to bring it home what do you say doc you know um this is one of those issues that's been studied to death and studied to death uh and 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 essentially what he did was this essentially what he said what he says is that well Hillary Clinton started this and so essentially I am off the hook for whatever role I may have played in it because Hillary Clinton started. Well first of all that's actually not true, number one. And then then two that doesn't excuse what you did. And 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 he's basically asking us to simply ignore the, the, don't believe what your eyes have seen and what your ears have heard. You know, you know, you have heard people. He have heard him, seen him, continue to raise questions, raise doubts long after the president produces his long form birth certificate. We have his public Twitter account in which he continued to make comments about this long after the president produced his birth certificate. You know, and so to then. To then to continue to maintain with a straight face, you know, and that you know that I didn't do, that I didn't do this. I mean, he actually forced the the New York Times and other other people who are really loath to you know to to say this to to actually use the word lie in their headline to refer to this. You know, I mean, so I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know how you how you, how you get around that, but he he essentially he, he basically lied. He basically you, lied. You know, I I think uh, I think on this issue especially, you know, the the one thing is I think you're right that he said because she started it, it's okay. You know, but but I was the one who finally got him to to release his an example of his success, which to me was a terrible I, exhibit I, A to use. I think the better strategy for him would have been. I wanted to put this issue to bed. I made a big deal because I think we should put it to bed. Yeah. I got the president to release his his birth certificate. Secretary Clinton is here pretending to be innocent of offering. The, I think, first of all, he wasn't going to wash any mud off of him for anyone who saw him muddy on the issue. The only win in this for him was to get her muddy, too. Right. To say, if you talk about this and how how egregious this might be if that's your opinion of me, then you have to say the same thing about her because she made the same claims. Really, this was a case of we both 
are going to have to lose because yeah. I can't win. Like a statement of, well, neither of us are innocent on that issue, Hillary Clinton, and, and as he looks towards her. I think, I think that was really the only win there. And listen, that there, there was a huge, and there still are millions of people in a country of 320-some-odd million people. There's still people here who don't believe the president was born here. They, they believe the president was born in Kenya. But here's the thing. The election is less than two friggin' months away. So for that to be any part of the discussion at this point now, to me, is silly. It's like, what? Di- let's get to what's going to happen on 8 November of this year. Not about that. I mm-hmm. want to ju- jump to one other thing about, about this issue about race. I think that the Clinton campaign has subtly and in some cases aggressively tried to paint Donald Trump as a racist. And when I saw Bill Clinton say a couple of weeks ago that you know, as particularly as a Southern white man, what people say when they want to make, let's make America great again. I got to tell you, Doc, I didn't care for that at all because um, I, I just don't like that kind of puppeteering of black voters, especially, or that attempt to manipulate uh, our emotions based upon something like that. That was just my take on it. And I, you may disagree mm-hmm. with me. I'm thinking, and, and then you see these clips of, of Bill Clinton saying the same thing. And it's like, come on, you can do better than that. Am I wrong? Well, well, the fact of the matter is, you know, whether, I mean, I, I mean, whether, whether we like it or not, it has been a purposeful strategy of conservative politics. Actually, it's really, this really, really with George Wallace been picked up by Richard Nixon and what have you, they've been as a purposeful policy of of of, of politicians. So I'll to do a, do a, to up you know, to basically whether a term you want to do is a southern strategy or using code words. Uh that has been a purposeful strategy. And and, and there have been times when Republicans have actually admitted to it that, that this is what their strategy was. Uh, uh, that was now in the age of Obama. They uh, they have actually tried to rewrite history and deny that it happened. But you know, but Ken Melman in two thousand five admitted after the Republicans won everything uh, that yes, we have had a southern strategy in the past, and we and we're sorry about it. Sorry about it. So you know, so at least up, at least up until then, at least there were some Republicans who even admitted that it was a strategy. Now there's an effort to try to pretend it didn't happen. No, uh, I, 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 and, and, I, I don't, and, I don't, and, argue, I don't argue with those points. I mean, specifically here, though, I think that it is a tactic. I think this this only started <laughs> when Trump went to black cities and started to pe- speak to people at in black communities. That's when this started. I don't believe it's a, it's a sincere <laughs> effort by them. You could say a lot of things about Trump. He makes some ridiculous statements, but I, I just. I'm I'm always bothered by that because Hillary Clinton said some similar things about Barack Obama, and and that to me is like you guys have no high moral ground to say this. Let's not forget that right before. Well, well, but think about this. But think about this. But see, but see, Donald. Keep in mind, Donald. But Donald. But keep in mind, but Donald Trump has made himself open to this charge. Keep, Keep in mind, Donald Trump became a conservative hero in 2011. When he became the biggest proponent of this, this of this discredited birther theory, 
uh, he in April of 2011, he was polling at the top of the, of the poll of potential Republican candidates, higher than Mitt Romney, higher than any, any, any other Republican challengers. He ended up not running, but he became a conservative hero, pushing the birth of, the birth of idea, which is which is clearly a racist idea. It is, is the idea that a black man could not have legitimately been elected president. He must have cheated. Let me split that, though. I think that while there are people who may believe that, and I think we both can agree that there are people who have racial prejudices against the president out there, anybody who doesn't believe that, I mean, come on. But I also think that there are, there are also people who disagree with President Obama on policy. I don't think that everyone who disagrees with him on policy is disagreeing with him on policy because of the, the color of his skin. Well, absolutely. That's not, uh, no, no one's saying that. No, no one. I'm, I'm not saying that. But I, but I understand. But this is, but this is how the Southern strategy works. It's not necessary for everyone who opposes liberal policies to be a racist. In fact, that's actually how it works. Because there are other reasons why people, why why other other reasons why why people oppose. These policies it actually allows conservatives plausible deniability when they are accused of appealing to when they are, when they are, when they are to, to appealing to to racial resentments they are able to point to these other things and no it's not we're not being racist because we're because we oppose this we no we're being racist no, no, no I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I got a little out of control here. Um, <laughs> so, so no, no, we're, so no, we're not being racist. You know, uh, when we uh, support this policy, we support the policy because of this reason or or that reason or that reason. So, because there are these other reasons, it gives them plausible deniability. All right, so I- they're able to argue with a straight face. I, I want to give and John. Some, some people actually believe this. I want to give John a chance to respond here because we got about two minutes left. Go ahead. I think that you know when you're talking about the way that the racial matters were handled in debate, one of the things about the Clintons that I think has to be mentioned too, just for sake of perspective, is that when the Clintons were engaged against Barack Obama in 2008, they certainly got some uncharitable licks in, such as when in South Carolina, Bill Clinton went off on a tirade talking about Obama being a fantasy and a fairy tale and all that, to the point that it got the uh, Jim Clyburn to say, look, Bill, you need to stop that. Right. So those are the kinds of things that, to me, Donald Trump could have made an issue about, but he didn't. So that's just kind of one of those things that puzzles me is that, you know, there, there's things once you get beside all the you know the the issues regarding uh, you know southern strategy and rate you know playing the race card and this and that sure Hillary Clinton's hands are certainly not clean either because she was engaged in a competitive battle against Barack Obama and she was using every weapon at her disposal which she clearly did over and over again so I just think it was one of those things where that was a sensitive issue during the debate that you know Donald Trump had something but he didn't pursue it and I think that you know score a missed opportunity for him 
Well, gentlemen, we've been going 53 minutes on this one. I'll give you a chance for just a final reflection on the debate, and then we'll get out of here. All this means is we've got to do this more often, number one. And number two, when the next debate happens, right. we'll have to get together here in the, in the studio. But, Doc, since you're on the line, just final thoughts on last evening's debate. Well, I, I, I think that uh, I think Clinton uh, clearly uh, won the debate. And I think probably in a couple of days, you know, she will probably uh, get uh, a, a, a small boost in the, in the polls as a result of that. Uh, and I think the next debate is, is, is clearly going to put a lot of pressure on Donald Trump. You know, uh, he's going to have to demonstrate that that he has taken this process seriously and 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 actually prepares himself. Uh, or, or, or this thing could actually could get away from him. I agree, John. So what my thought about the debate is, I'm going to go into uncharted territory here. And this is the battle. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's good stuff. Battle of expectations. So the way I look at what happened last night is Hillary unloaded on Donald Trump on a lot of things. The question is, does she have more damaging information or should she be wise and pull back in the next debate? Now, if the next debate, it's a foreign policy debate, right? Yes. Okay. So that would presumably be an area where Donald Trump is even less conversant about. But I'm thinking that unless Hillary has some really, really damaging stuff, I think she would be wise to pull back and not continually attack Donald Trump. Because she got some good, she got some good hits in last night, number one. Number two, Donald Trump obviously has to up his game. But number three, I don't think that Hillary should use the same strategy that she did last night. I agree with you both. You know, the opinions of everyone now could change 180 degrees by the time we finish the third debate. But the one constant about last night is this. If Trump wants to be taken seriously, he needs to take this seriously. And that's or or as he said, he'd, he'd support Secretary Clinton if she won. Absolutely. He may be doing that on the evening of November 8th if he doesn't change his strategy mm-hmm. here. Gentlemen, I appreciate you both being on. I'd like to talk with you all again. I, you know what? Let's do this again about the mayoral candidates. We'll schedule something because I'd like to talk to you all about the mayor's race here. Because as large mm-hmm. as the presidential election is for America, the mayor's race is huge for Baton Rouge because 2017 will be a massive year for East Baton Rouge mm-hmm. Parish. And so uh, we'll get you back. But thank you all so much for being on with me. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you very much. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Great discussion with Albert and John about what happened at the debate. They had their say. Many of you had yours as well on Facebook. Patrick Reynolds tell me tells me that he only caught the end of the debate. He says, what a weak moderator. Yeah, Lester Holt is taking a pounding today. 
I don't think he did a great job, but I don't think he was terrible either because I think he tried to stay out of the way, which is kind of what I want in a moderator. My buddy Dave Cuvion said, Trump missed some good shots on deriding Bush for the bad economy, quote, and President Obama had majorities in both houses and still only got us the weakest recovery since the Depression. On Clinton's speculation that it was Russia antagonizing the U.S. with cyber attacks, quote, the reset button really worked on, really worked, didn't it? Also on that, I guess it didn't scare you so much as to put up a personal server with government business outside of governmental secured networks. Yeah, he just, he didn't really go after her at all on that. Brianna says to me, a lot of questions went unanswered. Instead, their responses were aimed at belittling the other candidate. This seemed like it could have been a mock debate held at a high school or university, not between two presidential candidates running for office. Also, most of their rebuttals were, quote, no, I didn't. I didn't say that. I've never done that. And, quote, when, uh, when they mentioned incidences, when the mentioned incidences, she writes, have been clearly documented in the past. It lacked substance and honesty. Complete miss, in my opinion. Well written, Brianna. Sean Wallace says, just a bunch of shots being thrown left and right. Trump is being Trump as usual, but overall messy. Karen McDonald. Lester stunk. Trump possessed zero substance and is the poster child for DSM, Diagnosis of Narcissistic Personality Disorder. Hillary showed poise, substance, and great patience amidst her opponent's childish behavior. Jada, are these really our only options? (laughs) Laverne, really sad when these are the only two choices that we have to vote for. Only one is qualified to be president, and I don't trust her. Trump is mentally unstable and only out to help himself and the rich. Trump is hiding something with his taxes, and he can't ever admit when he is wrong. No answers for anything. Just blame President Obama, who saved this country, she writes, after Bush ruined it. So people, you need to get over the fact that a black man fixed your mess and won won the presidential election twice and continue to work on our issues. Obama is just code word for racism. Wow, that's interesting. Michaela writes, moderator was definitely slanted. Jada comes back. Poor Lester Holt had no control. Hope he is not moderating the rest of them. He won't be. Johnny, we won't know who until the election is done, but for certain we need the leader our we need the leader of our country to be a true American. Without being judgmental, Hillary Hillary's eyes just give me one of dishonesty and the willingness of someone who will sell U.S. out for her personal gain. Trump, on the other hand, inexperienced, boastful, and rude at times, but I think with the right people around him, he wouldn't get us nuked. Trump has my vote. I think the guy genuinely wants to make America great again. Alicia, just on his flank, says, Lester Holt was a piss-poor moderator. The Donald never answered a question. He consistently danced around a direct response. He consistently interrupted Hillary. He has no respect for women in power. If he wins, this country is in a hell of a lot of trouble. David, questions were lightweight. Didn't direct many tough ones to Hillary, but went after Trump on birther, taxes, and race. 
Nothing from Trump on Benghazi, emails, or Clinton Foundation. Is Trump saving it for later? Fact check website was stupid. Shows fear in Hillary's camp. Trump can't seem to compete, uh, complete a thought or sort of fizzles after a good head of steam. Miguel, I think Donald is a loose cannon, honestly. I'm sure that he could maybe stimulate the economy, but I'm not quite sure if bankruptcy so many times makes you a genius or just plain irresponsible. As for Mrs. Clinton, as far as Mrs. Clinton goes, she has not convinced me that she's confident enough to run our country. She has done some great things for kids and women, but she often seems confused and goes back and forth on her decisions. I think we are doomed. Don, moderator, went after Trump multiple times and challenged his answers, but not Hillary. But Trump still missed a lot of chances. She was the same old typical politician. Fabian, Clinton missed one huge opportunity to really put Trump's monumental ignorance on blast, demonstrably exposing his lack of preparedness to lead. She should have turned and asked Trump using an interrogative statement. Well, Donald, know what Article 5 of NATO calls for? Then waited for him to glare at his uh, at her unable to respond. And then she could have said, I know you don't what I do. You, I know you don't know what Article five is because you weren't prepared to debate this point or even lead this country for that matter. So let me help you then. And only then what I have explained it to him and the audience as she did. He puts parenthetically his willingness to learn po- unwillingness to learn policy and develop diplomacy skills are dwarfed only by his lack of having any real policies to begin with. Wolves and sheep's clothing come in worsted wool too. <laughs> and Donald Trump is the big bad one. Wow. Kevin, an independent voter's opinion, Hillary won. She was more prepared, more composed, and it helped that Lester Holt was clearly in her corner. He fact-checked Trump frequently, but never called her on one inaccuracy. Uh, JD responds to that. If it was Hillary and Lester versus Trump as it was, then how did how do you say she won, Kevin? Second sentence of his previous statement. JD, then she did win. They competed. JD, I know JD, he doesn't surrender a point easily. So far, I see no poll that states Hillary won. Kevin, well, I did say it was my opinion. I'm not looking for polls to validate me. JD, that's fair. Dave comes back again. A friend of mine posted this elsewhere. Trump missed a huge opportunity on her endurance. Hillary, I testified for 11 hours. Trump, 11 hours. Wow. That's two hours less than the fight in Benghazi. Gideon, Lester and Hillary played Trump like a fiddle, gave him just enough rope. How do you think Putin quote, uh, uh, parenthetically, the evil empire, and others will play him. Putin already has him in the palm of his hand. Wouldn't it be a hoot to learn from his tax returns that he's deeply financially invested in our adversaries? That would not be good, but I don't think that's the case. He goes on, when Trump talks about bringing jobs back, does that apply to him and the family businesses? Uh, Law and order, huh? Sounds like profiling, stop and frisk, and police shooting more black people. I'm I'm assuming that is. Oh, and don't forget he's going to build the wall. (laughs) Trump's stats 
on Giuliani's stop and frisk is not even in the ballpark of reality. Don't just believe me. Check it out for yourself. I say Trump will be doing uh, will be doing, quote, do overs all day tomorrow or today, today, meaning tomorrow. Enough now about Hillary. I'm with Hillary, he writes. Uh, JD comes back and she lied about Benghazi. She lied about being under sniper fire. She lied about emails. She lied before Congress. She has even lied about lying. So exactly why would anyone believe anything she said in the debate last night? She is like a man who has cheated on his wife 37 times with 37 different women in in the last 37 months saying, believe me, in month 38. Whew. How about that, right? So that's the list of comments I got from Facebook. Man. Wow. Well, we will watch the next debate and (laughs) render thoughts on it after it happens. And maybe we'll even prep before it does. But I appreciate you guys sending all of those comments and participating with the show. And I said I wanted to share them or that I would share them. And I did. So from there... We bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to The Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.